Well, we're in this series in James called Be Real Because Fake is Exhausting. Week one, we looked at this and, and uh, learned how we need to be real with our trials and how God doesn't want us to fake it. He wants us to go through it and come out of that stronger, mature, complete on the other side of it. And uh, that was a great, great opening to the series. And then last week, with the help of a few Krispy Kreme donuts, we looked at how to keep it real with temptation. I'm still praying for the people who helped me with that illustration, that God would heal their bodies and, and forgive them for that. But anyway, forgive me for leading them into temptation, I probably should say. But we had a great time looking at some practical thoughts on how to be real and overcoming temptation. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to be real with our words. How do we keep it real with our words? And this is a big one. Wave at me if you have ever said anything that you regretted before. Anybody ever said anything you regretted before? You're probably thinking of something right now too, right? As soon as it left your lips, you're like, did I just say that? Have you ever had that happen? Sometimes you're like, man, I did not even intend to say that. It just came out. Other times you intended to say it, and then it came out, and you said, why did I intend to say that? But we've all said things that we've regretted. Here are a few uh, things before we look at our scriptures together today. A few interesting facts about the tongue. The tongue has thousands of taste buds. The average tongue is about 10 centimeters long and weighs approximately two ounces. Now, here's something I thought was interesting. The tongue of a blue whale weighs as much as an elephant. I mean, you think you have a hard time controlling your tongue. What if your tongue was as big as an elephant or weighed as much as an elephant? I mean, I'm just trying to picture the blue whale, like trying to keep everything under control, but swimming through and then sees the shark, goes, yo, shark, your mama. I mean, I'm just trying to picture, like, what does he say to where he's like, I should have kept that one in. I shouldn't have said it. <laughs> the tongue is important. It helps us and assists us in eating and talking and, and even breathing and and these are interesting thoughts, but James gives us some additional, and I would even suggest more significant insights to the tongue, the importance of our words, and I want us to look at it together today. First insight that James gets us, you can write it down, it's uh, our words reveal our hearts. Our words reveal our hearts. Let's look at how he says it in chapter 1 and verse 26 of the book of James. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And look at this part. And their religion is worthless. How many guys know that's a strong sentence right there? I mean, that, that whole opening verse right there. Listen to all that it's packing. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. James is trying, as he has through the beginning of this, and he will throughout the rest of the book, he's trying to remind us to keep it real, to avoid the trap of Christianity. He's trying to remind us that you can get caught up in playing a spiritual game. You can deceive yourself. You may even be able to fool some people around you for a time. But being fake is exhausting, and it leads to destruction. 
So he's saying keep it real. Even when it relates to your words, you better keep it real. If you consider yourself a spiritual person, a religious person, yet you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, James confronts his head on and he says that kind of religion is worthless. What is James saying? He's saying you cannot separate the condition of your heart from the words that come out of your mouth. You cannot separate the condition of your heart from the words that come out of your mouth. Said another way, James shows us that our words reveal the true condition of our hearts. This is something that's reiterated throughout Scripture. And I'll look at one case here with you in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. The ESV version says it this way, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to that same verse in the New International Version. It says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Have you ever said anything before? And then you wondered, where did that come from? Come on, raise your hand if you've ever had that happen before. You said something like, where in the world did that come from? You know where it came from? Your heart. You see, what, whatever you have in the well is what's going to come up in the bucket. You will know the condition of your heart by the words that come out of your mouth. Others will know about your relationship with God, your love for God, your genuine faith as expressed by the words that come off of your lips. If your words are profane, it is because your heart is profane. How many guys remember that back in the day, old school, that there were parents, so if you'd say something bad or wrong or you had a dirty mouth, what would they say? I'm going to wash your mouth out with what? Soap. You don't talk about old school. Come on, that's old school right there. You tell that to, to kids today, they won't even believe that, right? Like, you can't do that. You'll get sued. Back in the day. Back in the day. And so you remember that. But the problem wasn't a dirty mouth. It was a dirty heart because our words reveal our hearts. Let's look at the second thing, number two. Our words are powerful. Our words carry weight. They are powerful. Before we look at some pictures that James gives us about the power of our words, listen to what Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Man, that's strong. You think about it, this is not an overestimation of the power or significance of our words. This is the word of God telling us, bringing to our attention, you better pay attention to your words. Words are a big deal because they have the power of life and death. This is big. When I was young, my grandmother spoke over my life, and she showed me the power of words as, as she declared over me when I was young that one day I would be a preacher, and guess what? Today I am. When I was playing sports, my dad told me, you're good at sports. You're athletic. You're skilled. And you know what? He spoke that over my life. And guess what? I went on to play college football on a scholarship. My dad was right. He spoke that over me. When I started in youth ministry, a pastor told me that one day our youth ministry would run a 1,000 teenagers. We just had a handful of students at the time. But I remember where I was standing in the hallway when he said to me, and I remember thinking, he's out of his mind. He's crazy. But guess what? 
We ran over 1,000 in our student ministry. I remember when I was in college and a professor said that you could be a millionaire by the time you're 40. And guess what? He lied. (laughs) Now I say that one there because I want to make a point. Words are powerful, but what I'm not talking about is some type of blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. Just because you say it, there's some magical power there because that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture's not saying just because you say something, you get something. No, 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 no. What does it mean? What is James teaching us? What does the Word of God teach us about words having power? Here are a few thoughts. Here's the first one. Our words have the power to build others up. Our words have power to build others up. I wonder by a show of hands, how many of you would say that you remember something said years ago to you? Somebody said it, it spoke to your spirit and encouraged you, and you still remember it to this day. Come on, wave your hand right now if that's true. Do you remember something like that? For some of you, it's 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. For me, I remember when I was in first grade, I remember I got a new pair of shoes, and they were called Zips. I remember when I got myself, I still remember the commercial where the little boy in the playground did his feet like that back and forth, and then he took, made a Z with it, two lines, and then connect Z, zips. And I remember when I got my zips. I couldn't wait to go to school in my new zips, and I was out playing on the playground. I remember my teacher called me over. She said, Scotty, are those new shoes? I was like, yes, ma'am, these are zips. And she said, wow, those new shoes sure make you run fast. I was like, I just took off running, making laps around the playground, going, look at this, look at this, just run around the playground. Now, you know what's hilarious is I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but I can remember first grade, my teacher complimenting my zips and telling me I could run fast in those shoes and me thinking, yes, I can. I still remember that to this day. How many of you understand she probably didn't wake up that morning and think, how can I say something that is going to impact and change the life of a kid to where one day he's going to grow up and he's going to go on, become an adult, be a man, be a speaker, and go on to tell thousands of people about the compliment I'm about to pay him on the playground. She wasn't thinking like that. She saw the moment, she used her words, she built me up, and here I am still today. If somebody says, you ever heard of zip shoes? I'm like, yeah, I have. I'll tell you a story. I mean, I still remember because of how I was spoken into. Do you remember the power of words when someone spoke into your life? James gives us some pictures now on how he describes the power of words. The first one is in James chapter 3 and verse 3. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Think about the picture that he's using. He's talking about a horse, a big, strong animal. I mean, we even get our understanding of horsepower from just the strength of a horse. And yet, James gives us this picture. as you think about this large animal, this strong animal, and consider the fact that a small bit placed in its mouth enables us to direct that strong animal to do whatever we say to do, to go wherever we say to go. He's saying, don't underestimate the power of the tongue just because it's small. And you may think that your words are small. 
You may think that your words have insignificant impact. But I would suggest to you that if you purpose to use your words to build other people up, it could be game changing. Speak life over people. Encourage them. And I'm not even talking about using it to give fluff. I'm not talking about insincere flattery. I'm talking about sincere, specific, appropriate encouragement. And because I know when I talk about being an encourager, some of you feel like you're tough and everything. You're like, well, I don't do all that fluff. I call it like it is. And that's good unless you call it like it is negative all the time because that means you're not calling it like it is. You're just talking like you is, and you is negative, and you need to quit being so negative and critical. You need to build up. You go, well, I see this situation. Do you see the potential in that situation? Speak to the potential. Speak to the opportunity. See what could be and speak to that. I'm not encouraging you to give false flattery. And it's funny even to watch the different personalities of my children, you know, when they communicate and how they communicate. And, 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 and they all have different. So Kelly Grace, she's just an encourager. I mean, if you ever struggling, just call KG. She will love on you, encourage you. She'll find something good to talk to you about. That's just Kelly Grace. Uh, so let's just say if we're around my dinner table, and let's, let's, let's just pretend like my wife cooks something and she... Uh, Let's just pretend that she cooked something and she got it. Let's call it well done. Okay, so she got, she got the bread really well done, okay? And so what happens is our oldest daughter, Candace, she is a matter of fact, black and white, call it like it is. Let's not mess around. Just, you know what, Mom, you burnt the bread. Not a problem. Let's deal with it. Let's just move on. But the, burnt, the bread's burnt. Let's just call it like it is. And then my third daughter, Bria, who has one of the most amazing personalities in the world. I love my Bria girl. And she just is like, everything's kind of like demonstrative. You know, it's kind of like, hey, let's talk about it and let's just, let's just expound on it, you know, a little bit. So she, what Bria does, she brings some animation to it. So she would take a bite of it and go, ah, 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 mom, ah, this bread, this bread burns, <laughs> somebody give me a water. You know, that's the way Bria would respond. And then you've got Kelly Grace right in the middle of those two. Kelly Grace will eat it and swallow it and then turn and say, Mom, that's the best bread I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so we've been working with her to be like, it's good to be an encourager. It's good to say nice things, but it's even better if they're like true, like it's even better. How many of you guys know James is not trying to get us to be an encourager, but to be faking it? You know, I mean, the whole book is about being real, right? And so what we want to do is we want to give a real compliment, sincere, specific, appropriate. Speak life. Find something encouraging and highlight it. Listen, if you're married, never underestimate the power of your words that you speak over your spouse. I know that you can find flaws. We're all naturally gifted at that, but can you find the potential? Can you see beauty even in the midst of the mess? Can you see what God intended? Can you speak those things and call those things out? Are you professional at calling out the things that are negative or bad? Your words have power, power of life and death, power to build up. You can do that. I've just made it a personal goal. I don't want anybody on planet Earth to out-encourage me of my wife. I'm going to be your biggest encourager. 
for my kids. I know that my kids got issues. My kids got all kinds of issues. I know that all too well, but I choose to be their encourager. I I know that I've got to address some things, but I want to build them up. For those of you that are parents, and, and let me speak especially to the, to the dads on, on, on Father's Day, and, and I want to encourage you, allow today to be a reminder to you of the power that you hold simply by the words that you speak. It doesn't have to be that you have big biceps. It doesn't have to be that you have a big bank account. It just would be that you would pay attention to where you have a big opportunity to speak life over your kids. Come on, dads. Speak life. Build them up. Then James gives us another picture. James chapter 3, next verse, verse 4. He says, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by such strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Second point from this picture, still under the power of words, is that our words have the power to take us places. Your words can take you places. You think of a large ship, and and how easy would it be for you just to go and and turn a massive ship, or you just talking about fighting against the winds on the sea, and yet James is saying, yet they are steered by a very small rudder. Wherever the ship is guided by the rudder, that is the destination at which the ship will arrive. And can I tell you that when it comes to your life, your words will determine the places that you go? Your words will lead you places. It will close doors. It will open doors. It will start relationships. It will end relationships. Your words can lead you to a blessed life or a lonely life. Your words are taking you somewhere. Where are your words taking you? Where are they leading you? Where are they guiding you? And for some of us, we need a a, a big help with some self-control and and keeping our words in check and our our, our tongue when it comes to our texting tongue. When it comes to our social media, Twitter tongue. Some of us need help. Listen, don't you understand that in our world of social media, you think that it's not that big of a deal? You're just tweeting something. You're just posting something. Did you know that your words could cause you to get a job or lose a job just off of what you're posting on social media? Now you got to stop and think about this. Like you're, I'm just saying, somebody's reading that somewhere. Somebody who's going, I need a new manager. I need a new supervisor at my store. And you being silly willy on Facebook and and tweeting stuff that's crazy. And they're like, that's not who I'm looking for. you got to be careful with your words. You could miss out on a job. You could lose a friendship. You could miss a chance to reach someone for Jesus all because you had a lack of control over your words. Did you see in the news just two days ago the story of the lady who sent the text to her uh, boyfriend who was thinking about taking his life, and she sent the text message saying, yes, just take your life. You guys remember that story? National news right now is going on. And guess what? Here she is now, guilty of manslaughter and facing up to 20 years in prison because of her reckless words in a text message. Your words will take you places. Where are your words taking you? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin 
some of you have experienced firsthand what it means to land somewhere that your words led you. It wasn't external factors that got you in trouble. It wasn't your spouse. It wasn't your boss. It wasn't even an enemy. It was simply your own words that landed you in the predicament that you're in. And it's not always negative. The flip side of that is true as well. Your words can take you places. Your words can take you positive places. You see, if your words are the result of what's in your heart, then when your heart is filled with the things of God, when your heart is submitted to God, when you're following the will of God, when God's words are on your tongue, when you are speaking forth his truth and honoring his name, you will find that there'll be things that you say at times. Maybe you are at a job interview, and you'll say something. You didn't even realize how smart it was. You didn't even know where that came from. Where did it come from? It came from your heart. Who's in your heart? The king of all kings. And what happened? He's guiding your and all of a sudden the employee says, you know what? I like that answer. We'd like to hire you. And you're like, you will? Where'd that come from? Jesus said, I had your back on that one right there. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. Some of you, you make some decision. You say something. You declare something. It's a breakthrough. In your, they give you a promotion. Where did that come from? Your words will take you places. It can be positive. Come on, fellas. You remember when you thought you didn't have a chance in the world, and you said some sweet words and that first date, and she said yes, and you said, thank you, Jesus. Your words took you places. I know it can have a negative effect, too. I'm just trying to be positive here for just a second. Speak life, be an encourager, and see that you'll always have friends around you. When you use your words to gossip and tear down, people don't want to be around you. Your words can direct your life. Where are your words taking you? Here's a third way our words are powerful. Our words are and can be, according to this picture in James, destructive. Look at the way James says it in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. What kind of a spark? A small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. It's the image of a large forest fire. It's the picture of raging flames, destroying overcoming, overwhelming, devouring everything in its path. It's a fire out of control. And James says you chase all of that destruction back and you'll find that it started with a small spark. What kind of a spark? A small spark. Unfortunately, that's where a lot of big problems originate because... We underestimate what can happen with our seemingly harmless words, but when our words are left unchecked, when they're unfiltered, as opposed to going through the filter of the Holy Spirit, when they are reckless, when they are careless, they are destructive, and it all starts with a spark. In Chicago on October 8th, 1871, at 8.30 p.m., a spark started in Mrs. O'Leary's barn, and it quickly became a flame that raged until 17,500 buildings were burned. Listen to this. Over $400 million worth of damage was done, and 300 people lost their lives. And it all started with a spark. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 12. 
Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Listen to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Listen, friends, as a true follower, a genuine follower, a real follower of Jesus Christ, as someone whose heart has been changed by his grace, by his love and his mercy, there is no room in our lives for reckless, cutting words that are meant to destroy or hurt others. And when we do that, we are falling into the trap of playing a spiritual game, of saying one thing but living another. It'd be one thing to say that I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm living for Jesus, and my words will back that up. But James is saying when there's a contradiction and you're not keeping a tight rein on your tongue, your religion is worthless. It is not appropriate ever for a child of God, someone who's been changed by the grace of God, to do use your words to tear other people down. You've got to be careful. You've got to keep them guarded. You've got to keep it in check. And when you begin to see that your words, something's coming out that's not good, you have to search your heart and ask why. There are some speech patterns you need to stop. There are some speech patterns you need to start. What is it that God's speaking to you about right now? Why? Because your words reveal your priorities. As parents, sometimes we're more focused on the sports performance of our kids than we are their character, their Christ-likeness. And so you know what? Our words are revealing our priorities, and we're going, you know what? I want to use my words to build up your GPA or to increase your batting average. And you know what? The Word of God is teaching us. You have the power of something much more bigger than that, the power of life and death. You know what you need to be speaking into their hearts? What it means to love Jesus, what it means to serve Jesus, what it means to live for God with all of your heart. I'm not saying that you don't speak about grades. I'm not saying that you can't encourage them. I'm saying this. A lot of times in our flesh, in our humanity, we can be so busy barking at their lack of performance or they're not doing well, what we don't realize is that we're damaging their spirit. We're we're affecting them on the inside. And now all of a sudden, you know what they're going to remember? Years later, it's not that you helped them get an extra base hit, but they're going to be thinking about those wounds that hurt them early on. You have a chance to build up, and if you're not careful, you will tear down. You've got to be a good steward of your words. What is the tone in your home? What is the atmosphere of your kitchen? What kind of words are flying across the counter? What kind of words are being shared over dinner? You have the power of life and death in your tongue, and it will build up or it will tear down, and you can decide. You have that choice. You have that ability. Speak life. One person said it this way, that words are like elevators. They can take people up or bring them down. Use your words to bring people up. Number three, and finally, James teaches us this through a picture. Our words are untamable in our own strength. Our words are untamable in our own strength. Listen how he says it in James 3, verse 7 and 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. 
Man, James, those are some choice words right there. Couldn't you have been a little more positive in your selection of words? What is James doing? He is keeping it real, and here's what he's saying. Your tongue, you may be able to tame a lion. You may be able to tame a dolphin, but no man can tame the tongue, which is really scary when you think about what it says in Matthew chapter 12, verses 35, 36, and 37. Matthew writes, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment. Listen, for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted. And by your words you will be condemned. What Matthew is saying is that there is not a single word that you will ever speak for which you will not be judged. Everything that comes out of this mouth will go through that test on the day when we stand before God. When you couple that with what James just said on, and here's the reality, no man can tame the tongue. How many of you know that that sets us up to lose in a very, very significant way? But notice James said, no man can tame the tongue. But the good news is, God can. So what James is teaching us is, only a heart that is truly submitted to God will have a mouth that reflects a heart that God has transformed. It's not bad news, it's good news. The bad news we're already aware of. We say things we shouldn't. We, we, we say things we want where that come from. We don't like these thoughts. We don't like these feelings. We don't like these words. And James says, yeah, you're right. That's a bad deal. And you'll be judged. But the good news is, is that when you are real in your relationship with God, when you don't fake it, when you don't play counterfeit Christianity, but you follow God with all of your heart, what happens is there's a transformation and a change, and your words can be used for His glory. That's God's plan.